speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And in the spirit of fair and balanced preaching, let me offer a counterpoint to the readings that you've already heard, a word from the contemporary prophet Dilbert, <laughs> who said this, change is good, you go first. And I'm thinking, I don't know if cartoon characters can be Episcopalian, but someone who, uh, he may be someone who have uttered the six words that clergy absolutely dread. We have never done it that way. Or it's analog. We have always done it this way. Clergy over there are laughing. They know what I'm talking about. Over the years, I've come to believe that the main work of a congregation, which means the main work of clergy, is to encourage spiritual growth. Growth in individuals, growth in the community, and growth is of necessity about change, which doesn't always go over so well with Episcopalians, you may have noticed, as we embrace a tradition that really, really, really values tradition. So there's one church where I served as a rector and we asked parishioners to call other parishioners to ask for an annual financial commitment. This kind of phones can be, phone calls can be really helpful. They also give opportunity for people to register complaints, or shall we say, to share their sense of the growth opportunities before the clergy. And so here on one, one such phone call, an, an irritated member of the parish asked the caller, why are we always talking about spiritual growth? Who decided that that is what our church is about? Show me the vestry minutes where the resolution was passed that said we are about spiritual growth. Now, I took that as an interesting and important insight. Not everyone was as keen on talking about spiritual growth as I was. Another person told me, Jay, I don't know why you're always talking about spiritual growth. I don't expect anything to happen to me when I come to church. That's good to know. <laughs> what comes to mind when you think about spiritual growth? What is it? How does it happen? Since I have the microphone, let me share my sense that spiritual growth is ultimately about relationship, about growing in love of God and growing in love of neighbor. It is simple, but maybe not easy. And none of us can ever say, mission accomplished. There is always more, more ways to do that each and every day. So there is always more change in the wings. And since I've already spoken about the power of tradition, let me add that this ongoing commitment to transformation, to growth, and sorry, Dilbert, to change, has a long tradition, including scriptures that we've heard today. So in the Easter season, we always read from the book of Acts. It's a story of how the church got off the ground, how Easter changed everything, how Easter changed a group of spineless disciples into a global force, a story reflecting the wisdom of Margaret Mead, who said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So today's passage from the book of Acts tells about what I think one of the most important moments in all of church history. 
Peter, the leader of the church, disciple who apparently never has an unexpressed thought, has come to a new understanding of what the church is about. And more to the point, who can be part of the church? As a result of that vision, he brings a new expansive vision to church leaders, the vestry of the day perhaps, who hear about his new understanding and basically respond, well, we've never done it that way. Here's the deal. The earliest days of the Jesus movement took place within the community of Judaism as it existed then. That movement aimed to live peaceably with Gentile neighbors, but it also kept strict boundaries, as we heard in the reading, like you can't have meals together. Gentiles would be separate, and they would remain outside this community. But as we heard, Peter had this dramatic, and I think slightly bizarre experience by which he came to see that the Jesus movement was not only for those of Jewish descent. The Jesus movement could include all people, as Paul put it so beautifully. Oh my gosh. In Christ, there was neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Y'all come. It's radical stuff. Maybe so radical we've never really lived into it fully. And as a result of this vision, Peter changed his mind in a big way. Now, I don't know in your own journey what has ever made you change your mind, but in Peter's case, it didn't hurt that he had this vision on the roof. And I believe that if that change had not happened, under Peter's leadership or somebody like him, my guess is we would probably not be here this morning. The change Peter experienced allowed for a broader welcome, a more expansive hospitality, a stronger sense of inclusion, a more generous spirit. In that moment, the arc of history was bending toward the way of love. And the early church, they were first called people of the way. In this expansive move, we're following the way of Jesus. And that leads us to today's gospel, which gives us an idea of what that way looks like. And I think it provides for us a holy and a healthy way to navigate the inevitable change. Today's gospel reading, um, it engages in some holy anachronism. It's, it it's dials in a liturgical time machine as, as we're here in the Easter season. But the reading takes us back to Holy Week, to Maundy Thursday, to the Last Supper. And, 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 and Jesus' long farewell address to his disciples, which is his way of telling them how they shall live once he leaves. And he's not only telling them change is coming, he provides this beautiful way to navigate the change. And I believe you and I are meant to hear him talking to us when he says it's all about love. As he issues this new commandment, they should love one another as he has loved them. Did you get that? As he has loved them? Tall order. How do we do that? Well, since we've already gone back in time to Holy Week for today's gospel, let's go a bit further back to Lent. I want to specifically mention something called Lent Madness. Now, Lent Madness, if you haven't heard of it, takes its cue from March Madness. It's a bracket, though, not of basketball teams, but of saints. And each day in Lent, people vote on which of two saints they find most compelling. Our own Eva Suarez was deeply involved in this, and her most favored saint, Dr. Jose Hernandez, won. He earned a golden halo. 
and you can ask her about it, although she might gloat a little bit. My favorite candidate came in second, winning a silver halo. I'm fine about that, really, I am. Her name was Teresa of Avila. And as our bishop said last week, I do have a point. Um, Teresa was a 16th century holy woman. She was this avid itinerant entrepreneur, uh, a straight shooter for the gospel. I love on one of her trips, she was in a cart, right? And, and the wheel came off and she flipped over and ended up sitting in a mud puddle, mud puddle and she shook her fist at heaven and said, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few of them. But there's this favorite Teresa prayer, which touches uh, in my mind on Jesus's commandment to love one another, which in my understanding of spiritual growth is so intertwined with love of God. Teresa prayed, Lord, I don't love you. I don't want to love you, but I want to want to love you. Her prayer reminds me that only by God's grace can we grow in love. And God is there to help us live into Jesus's new commandment. God will guide us through the changes and chances of life. Jesus will show us the way. In fact, as our colic reminds us in that beautiful hymn we sang a moment ago, he is the way, helping us grow, transforming our hearts, bringing holy change. Newsflash, we live in a world of change. COVID, among other things, has shown us that our lives unfold in uncharted waters. Fierce partisan divides in our nation, the move to limit other people's freedoms, all stem from a reaction to change. We readily respond to change with fear or denial or exclusion. We circle the wagons, we build a moat, we shut the door. The extreme reactions can be so powerfully and painfully seen in that grocery store in Buffalo, in that funeral procession in the old city, in the strangulation of Mario. Thanks be to God, sometimes feel our only hope. Jesus has another way. St. Paul called it a more excellent way. It is to let love be the guide. Jesus tells his disciples, people will know they are his disciples as people, uh, because people see that they love one another. And we're told that the early church grew because outsiders looked at people inside the church and said, see how they love one another. Wouldn't it be amazing if that's what people said about the church today? As Jesus stretched out arms of love on the hardwood of the cross to draw each of us into his saving embrace, you and I are called to stretch out our arms as well, just like Peter did, to widen the circle. That is Jesus' way to embrace the change. How can we do that together as a church? I'm glad and grateful to be here because of this church's commitment to those in need, including the exploration of support for refugees, which happens right after this service. And there's one more Bible reading to talk about as we hear the commandment to love and perhaps feel overwhelmed by what that means in a world of change. The book of Revelation, the final word, gives us another reminder that we are not in this alone. God, the creator of all that is, is in the business of making all things new. It's simply in God's character to do that.
It's the story of the Bible where we hear today that God is making a new heaven and a new earth. And that's a story meant to unfold in our crazy world, a story to be told in this city reeling from COVID, a story to be told in this church, even when a gifted rector feels called to a new chapter. It's a story to be told in your life and mine. Jesus shows us the way to navigate change. It's the way of love, and we are called to walk in that way. God is ready to do a new thing in our broken, heartbreaking world. God is ready to do a new thing in this church. God is ready to do a new thing in your life and mine. So let us expect that and pray for that and give thanks for that and confess when we resist it. Dilbert aside, change is good. Jesus went first. He showed the way. It is the way of love. So let's walk in it. Amen.